uh, what we're going to do uh, here in the next couple of Sundays is um, we are going to hit on this theme of all you need. And it's something that uh, God was kind of impressing upon my heart while I was gone. And that'll come out, I'm sure, over the next couple of weeks, some of the things I'm sharing. But but just uh, just that we need to make sure that we're really looking to God. I mean, it seems such a basic thing, but that God promises uh, to meet all of our needs. And um, you know, just think about some of the things that we go through. You know, some of you are in the throes of parenting. It's a struggle. It's uh, it's a marathon. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's like you know, you're sometimes when you're parenting, you're just kind of thinking about you know, wow, well, we made it through another day. You know, so it can be hard. It definitely can be hard. Um, some people that uh, in the church are struggling with disease, and it's hard uh, to say the least. And so maybe you find yourself in that situation. Uh, maybe you're having troubles in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling um, with uh, just, you know, the, you're in the valley of grief. I don't know what it is. But um, but we need to realize this, that in um, so Philippians, Chapter 4, verse 19, uh, which uh, some of you may remember. And actually, let me just read verse 11, uh, 11 to 19. So Philippians 4, 11 to 19. Here's what it says. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever circumstances I am to be content. Isn't that, uh, isn't that sentence just kind of grab you? It's like, I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. That's quite a claim, isn't it? <laughs> you think about that and think about your own circumstances. You might be thinking, well, I sure would like to be content with my circumstances. Uh, and maybe it's a struggle for you. But then uh, he goes on. He says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so, uh, of course, you know, Christ there is saying, I can do anything through Christ as long as I'm looking to him as the source, right? So whatever your particular circumstances, um, Paul is urging us to look to Jesus for all that we need, everything. And so he goes on in verse 14, he says, yet it... Uh, uh, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into my partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So he's thanking them for their financial support in the ministry. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek that gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So after thanking them for their financial support and saying God has supplied abundantly to them, listen to what he says in verse 19 of chapter 4 of Philippians. He says, and my God will supply some of your needs. That's not what my Bible says. I don't know where you guys are getting the word some. Okay? My God will supply every, every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
And, you know, if you think of the riches and glory in Christ Jesus as a treasure chest, it is unlimited, okay? It is unlimited. So it's with that kind of focus we go into these next two weeks, is that every need that we have, uh, the Lord wants to supply uh, us with uh, what we need through Jesus Christ, okay? So let's go to prayer here this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in Jesus Christ, you supply what we need for every need, every need. And as the Apostle Paul was saying there in the letter that he wrote to the, the church that was supporting him, and how he just uh, was, was telling them, I've learned how to do with a little, and I've learned how to do with a lot. I, I just know how, I've learned to be content. And the secret of that contentment really had to do with looking to Jesus looking to Jesus to strengthen him. He says, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. Father, help us to be people who are totally dependent upon you. Help us to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as it says in the Bible. Help us, God, to to be ones that we're not just looking to kind of gut it out on our own and hope we make it, but as believers in Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit, um, that we would learn to be more and more reliant upon you. And Father, we thank you for all of the different resources that you supply. Sometimes your provision is in the form of a counselor who you use and you've gifted through through the power of your word and your spirit and just enlightening our understanding, God. You, You show up in that and you meet needs that way. Sometimes, God, you just meet us right there in prayer, and you meet our need right there. And God, we just thank you. Sometimes, sometimes it's a timely word through your scriptures, and it just hits us like a two-by-four right across the forehead and how you, you use that to help us uh, in our day. But Father, however you do it, we are so thankful that you meet every need, Father. And we ask that you would fill us now with your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you would fill me as uh, to be your vessel, Lord. Help me to be true to your word. And so, Lord, we just uh, we want to lift up those people in our fam- church family that are struggling right now. And maybe it's uh, they're spir- in a spiritual battle and they feel like they're really losing. But, Father, I pray that you give, give us all hope today, knowing that uh, you can help us and meet us in that need. And Father, we do pray for healing for those in our midst who are battling sickness and disease, God. Be there for them, Lord, we pray. Help us to be their support, your hands and feet to them, Lord. And uh, Lord, help us also as a church and as individual believers to be a light to the world, God. Help us to, to be ones who are communicating hope, that there's hope for people. So many people are struggling with their mental health. They're struggling with um, all kinds of things, God, but we pray that we would get opportunities and take opportunities to um, share with them how you've helped us, God, and share with them how they can know you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, today what we're going to do when we talk about uh, that, that um, the Lord is all we need. We're going to focus in on, He's all we need to live a godly life. He's given us all we need to live a godly life. That's what we're going to focus in on 
And um, as we read the particular couple of verses that we're going to focus in on, um, and it may have been a while since we do this, but as a habit of of just acknowledging before God that we want to submit ourselves to the Word of God, would you stand with me as we read these couple of verses? And we'll just read them together. This is Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And let's just read these couple of verses together here, all right? So let's read together. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, this is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. These two verses are packed, packed with good stuff, okay? I mean, not just good stuff because it's the Word of God, but so, there's so much uh, for us to get into today. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited about this. But before we unpack it, I need to ask you a question, uh, and that is, is your view of growing in godliness biblical? Okay, let's think about this. Growing, you know, so godliness is just being becoming more Christ-like in our character, um, it's, you could liken it to holiness, if you will. Um, and so it's kind of growing in our um, living a life that's pleasing to God. That would be another way to say growing in godliness. And so um, what I want to first point out is I think there, are, there uh, are two extremes we want to avoid when it comes to our way of thinking about growing in godliness. Okay, so these these are two mindsets that we need to avoid, and one is uh, what I call a magical mindset, okay, a magical mindset, um, and it kind of, in one sense, idolizes uh, growing in godliness. What do I mean by that? Um, this would be a, the person who idolizes how fast they're going to grow. They kind of have unrealistic expectations about just how fast they're going to grow in becoming more like Christ. Sometimes they underestimate the struggle against indwelling sin that we still battle, right? Even after you come to faith, there is an ongoing battle, okay, against uh, sin in our lives. Even though Christ has forgiven our sin and we have the Holy Spirit, like uh, Nick was talking about the last couple of weeks, it's, it's a battle, okay? And um, as long as we still live on this earth, we live in these bodies. Now, our bodies are not bad, okay? I don't want you to get the impression that there's something wrong with our bodies, okay? Um, God creates beautiful things, okay? However, uh, because of the fall, what happened in the garden, um, we have this issue that we, we fight, and that is what we call the flesh, right? Our sinful nature. And uh, even though when you come to Christ, we're given his, the new nature, there's still this battle going on. It's like the main war has been, been won uh, by Jesus Christ. We, we no longer have to serve sin, if you will. It's no longer our master. But there's, there's battles that still need to be fought, okay? And so, um, so sometimes people underestimate the struggle that's, uh, that they need to wage battle against the remaining sin uh, that we have in this life. And everybody's particular battles are different, right? Uh, really, I mean, you, you and I could make a list of uh, what we might say are kind of our top two or three 
things that we really struggle in terms of living a godly life, and our list would be different. Yeah, there might be some overlap, but, but uh, you know, they're unique to some of our, maybe our upbringing, some of our uh, life experiences, things that have happened to us, things that we have done that have left their mark on us. But, you know, certainly God can heal us up from those, but it takes time. And so the magical mindset is the person that is just underestimating the struggle that there is, uh, but also just unrealistic about how, to, how we grow. They just think that it just kind of be like, you know, boy, I'm a Christian now, just everything should just go smooth, right? No, uh, no big problems or anything. And that's, so that's the magical mindset. We need to avoid that. That's not biblical. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, if you will, mindset to be avoided is the doubtful mindset. And so rather than um, idolizing how fast that they will grow, this person is thinking they're very cynical that they'll never change, okay? They're very cynical about, you know, I battled this thing. I'm just never going to get it, okay? I'm just never going to grow in this. That's just how I am. It's almost like an excuse, right? Um, They also um, underestimate, uh, rather than underestimating the struggle that they will have, they underestimate the reality of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They underestimate that. They're downplaying it, or maybe they're not learning how to uh, be filled with the Spirit and, and walk in step with the Spirit. So they underestimate the reality of the Spirit in their lives. And the other thing is that the doubtful mindset, that that person tends to be lax about using the means that God has given us to grow. They tend to not spend time in God's Word. They, they don't meditate on His Word. They're really not praying that much. And, you know, church is really merely optional attendance thing. You know, I don't really need the fellowship, Right? It's just me and Jesus, you know? And so, so those means that God, and those are just some of the means that God has given us to grow uh, in godliness, so they, they're really lax in those things. So um, now those might be gross exaggerations, but uh, those are not biblical mindsets uh, and, and ways of seeing how God wants, uh, how he grows us in godliness, okay? So... Um, What I would say here is the biblical mindset is this, okay? The biblical mindset is this. I don't have a slide for this, but uh, listen to this. It's very simple here. To have a biblical mindset, we need to know that the process of growing in godliness is hard. It's long, okay? It's not like going to happen tomorrow. And often ordinary, often ordinary, and no, I'm not saying that God doesn't make these breakthroughs sometimes. For us. He definitely does. But we got to realize that so much of our growth in godliness is just daily um, engaging with God uh, and what's going on in our lives and utilizing the means that he has given us to grow. So know the process of growing in godliness is hard, long, and often ordinary, and that we can grow in godliness more than we think, more than we think. All right, so, um, so now, again, just, just to remind you here uh, that God has given believers, because that's who Peter's writing to here. He's writing to these believers. God has given believers all they need for life and godliness. And uh, sometimes what happens is um, we kind of, uh, some, some people kind of get settled in on, well, 
I know that when I become a Christian, that God's taken care of my sin out of the past, and that God has secured a reservation for me in heaven. That's the future. But I'm left to deal with everything else in the here and now on my own. And that's just not true, right? So God, he forgives believers, and he promises them eternity with him in heaven, but he provides them, this is the key, he provides all believers with the power to live a godly life now, okay? Now. So in between uh, your day of salvation and the consummation of your salvation when you're in heaven, okay, he's given us the power to live a godly life, okay? So whatever your circumstances are, if you're a believer in Jesus, you put your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins. He is your, he is your Lord, okay? Then you have the Holy Spirit, and uh, this promise here that he's talking about in 2 Peter chapter 1 is yours. It, it is yours, okay? And so this morning what we want to do is kind of unpack that a little bit because in uh, we're going to look at the, some of the different phrases in those two verses, okay? So we're going to really look uh, uh, with a little mic- microscope, if you will, here uh, at these uh, some of these phrases, all right? So the first um, verse there in verse 3, we're going to look at uh, kind of the means uh, of the power, okay? Kind of the, the, the where is this coming from, okay? And how do we access it in a sense would be another way to say that. Now, um, if we take a look there at verse 3, the very first phrase, his divine power has granted to us. Now, so as, as good Bible students, hopefully that we are becoming, we got to ask, what is that pronoun? Who is that pronoun referring to? Who is his? Okay. And so um, when you look at verse two, which I don't have up here, uh, let me let me read that for you. Um, first Peter one verse two, excuse me, second Peter one verse two, it says, Uh, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you you have a decision to make. Okay, that's either God the Father or it's Jesus the Son is the one who's the divine power is talking about, okay? And most people, uh, when they're studying their Bible, say, well, the, the closest noun is the one it goes with, typically. Okay, I'm not saying it always, but typically. So the closest noun we've got in the verse I just read is Jesus, okay? Um, now, you'll find commentators on either side of the aisle say, well, no, this is talking about God the Father's power, and they'll say others, uh, you know, um, I, I was reading in, in uh, Douglas Moo's commentary, he was saying, well, and along with others, I think this is really Jesus, he's the closest noun to this. So either way you go, you've got the power, okay? <laughs> okay. We, it's good to ask these questions, though, because, you, you know, this is how we learn what the Bible teaches about the, the, the differences between what God the Father is doing and what Jesus the Son is doing, right? And so I took it to be as Jesus. Um, we, we can have a debate on it. That's okay on this particular thing. So, but I think it's Jesus. Peter is reminding us here that Jesus Christ has made available to us all that we require 
to lead our lives, right? So, so here, um, the first means, the source of this power for living a godly life comes from Jesus. And uh, did you notice that the verse says that all this power of godliness, is, it says it's granted to you. So, granted, does that word, like if you get a grant, is that something you have to pay back or something you have to earn or anything? No, it's just it's gift. It's a gift, right? So, so as a believer, it's been granted to you. In other words, it, you just you've got it. Okay, you have access to this power to live, a, to grow in godliness. Okay, and so that's what he's telling us uh, right here in this opening phrase. His divine power has granted to us, and again, the us is uh, is the, the believers in Jesus. So. The question is then is sort of how do you um, how do you appropriate this power if you have it? How do we uh, utilize it, if you will? Well, um, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this. So, so when I go to work at Columbus State, I got a choice to make when I go to the building I work in. I'm either walking the stairs or I'm taking the elevator. Right? Uh, depending on how I feel that day, I'm walking the stairs. Um, usually suck in air by the time I get to the fourth floor, uh, but that's a good thing. But some days I'm like in a hurry and and uh, the elevator is just right there, right? Well, so, you know, when I ride the elevator, it does all the work for me, right? I mean, I literally have to do nothing, okay? Um, and uh, so now, um, understanding how we utilize the power that God has given us to grow in godliness, it does not involve doing nothing. Okay? Some people think of it that way. You know, here I am, God, change me. Okay? And um, now, or on the days that when I'm walking up the stairs, it's all me. I mean, I, I, it's all on my own power. I mean, I know you could make an argument and say, well, Jesus is giving you the power to move around. Okay, but just let's think about it. Just, you know, the one way is it's all me. The other way, it's all the elevator, right? Uh, but so, so some people see it that way. The only way I'm going to grow in godliness is just all up to me, okay? It's all up to me. Um, now, this is where my analogy breaks down, okay, because I can't drive a car up to the fourth floor, okay? But I was uh, thinking that, you know, growing in godliness and kind of like utilizing the power God has granted us is more like driving a car. Uh, God is the engine providing the power, but some I still have to steer and brake and push on the gas, okay? So there's a, a part that we play in that, an effort we put forth in that, right? And then, but, but ultimately, you know, the, the, the change and the transformation and the growth and godliness is going to come from the power of God. Does that make sense? I mean, it's a, all analogies are going to break down somewhere, usually when we're talking about spiritual things, right? Uh, but, but just think about it that way. There is, there is a part we play. There's an effort we put forth. But yet, God promises to, he does promise to, to meet all the needs, right? And he's promised here, his divine power has granted to us. So, uh, through his power, through the power of the Lord Jesus, we can um, 
we can grow in godliness. And so uh, that encourages me because I realize it's not all up to me. Okay? But at the same point, I realize I'm not just supposed to sit in my chair and hope I become more like Jesus, you know, just by osmosis or something, right? So it's going to take that, that combination, um, but God gets the glory as we grow in godliness, okay? So verse 3 also indicates more on how we receive this power. Um, verse 3 goes on to say, uh, it goes on to say, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Remember, the first verse says his divine, the first part says his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And then it says through. So that word through, right, is kind of a, a conduit, if you will, right? How's that going to happen? Well, one of the ways it's going to happen, at least according to this verse, is that um, we appropriate this power for godliness through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there is a there is a um, a learning element to growth in godliness. Okay, through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, so now certainly you could think of it this way, right? Um, no one's going to have the power to grow in godliness unless they have at least the knowledge of Jesus um, that would save them, right? Saving knowledge, let's put it that way, right? Where you know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and Jesus is the only one, right? And you come to the end of yourself and you put your faith in Him knowing that what He did on the cross was sufficient to forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future, right? So that, that knowledge is basic, but it's, it's important, right? And really, um, you know, it's by the grace of God that any one of us will ever understand what I just said, right, about salvation and our need for it, right? And so, certainly, that initial knowledge of Jesus is, is how we're introduced into this power for godliness, right, to become, to grow in godliness. Because, again, if you're not, not a Christian, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? And so, without the Spirit, we're not going to be able to grow in godliness at all. Okay? But, you know, um, kind of like what I said earlier, there, there's, um, there's so much growing in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus that has to take place between now and when he comes back. Okay? And I want you to really think about this because, um, I don't know, maybe it's because some of us are... Um, like to read and some of us don't, or some of us have struggles with reading and some of us don't because, you know, to get the information, like to grow in my knowledge of Jesus and God and, and the world around me and how God's created it, I gotta, I've got to read the Word of God, right? So whether it's reading the words on the page or whether you're listening to Scripture through some Bible app, I don't care how you get it. We've got to get it because we've got to grow in our understanding of Jesus and we got to grow in our understanding of God Himself and how he, and His ways. Okay, because think about this. Okay, so um, how many of you are schoolhouse rock kids? Okay, some of you guys, some of you are like, "What the heck did he just say? Did he? Di-? You're like, did he just cuss in church? No, no, I didn't. Uh, so there is one that has to do with knowledge is power. Okay. Don't you remember the jingle? 
Don't remember, but something about knowledge is power. And okay, so, and, and, and in this case, that is true, okay? That, you know, there could be a, some key element of truth uh, about, because here's the thing. Don't we interpret our, the experiences in our life through a, through a particular lens, right? What if that lens is not a biblical lens, right? What, what if we're, we're just interpreting the things that are going on around us through some improper, basically not based on reality view? Because let's face it, whatever God says, that is the reality, right? That is reality, okay? And so, so you know, our view of suffering our view of uh, the struggle that we have um, against sin in our lives, where is that coming from? Why is that there? Right? We, we, you know, we, we learn about that in the Scriptures. We learn about the fall of man, right, in Genesis. And, and, then, and then, you know, so it just, it, it helps put things in proper perspective. You know, when you pick, you know, if an alien came down here, I'm not talking about, I'm going to talk about any more about aliens, whether I believe in them or not. But I'm saying, if an alien came down here, pick up the newspaper, say, man, something's wrong down here. Right? And they're going to say, you know, and so, you know, the question is, what is your explanation for why it's wrong? For the messed up stuff that's happening in people's lives, in our lives, right? So if you don't have a proper understanding of how this all got here and the way it and the why it is the way it is, you're going to not live in a position of, of power to be able to grow in godliness. You need to have that proper biblical understanding. Um, and that's just one example how uh, our knowledge of Jesus and God and our world, and of ourselves, by the way, okay, uh, and of ourselves, it's important to have a proper understanding of ourselves according to Scripture. Uh, what it says about our hearts, how we're born into this world with sin, and, and our hearts are darkened with sin. And so, uh, I mean, Romans does a great job. The book of Romans does a great job of explaining our situation, okay, and God's solution, okay? So, um, all, all of this just to say is that, you know, there is a mental aspect to our faith, Okay? We have to grow in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of God's Word spoken to us, right? So this Word here was, was written down by men, yes, but they were moved by the Spirit of God to write down exactly what He wanted, okay? And uh, so we can have great confidence, and there's lots of evidence that you and I can have great confidence in that what you have here is the Word of God. Okay, and so um, all this to say that uh, we need to um, grow in our understanding of God's character. So when we spend time in God's Word, or we're in a Bible study with others, or we're here on a Sunday morning, right? We're we're wanting to grow in our understanding, not just for understanding's sake, but so that we can live um, we can live a godly life. We can grow in godliness and. And again, when you have a proper understanding of, of um, the truth of, of, of how God loves us, okay, okay, as, as a believer, um, I need to understand, because the Bible tells me that I'm secure in Jesus. Now, excuse me, once I'm in the family of God, God's not going to kick me out, okay? And so, uh, and so I don't have to earn God's love, right? Um, but 
But I do out of, uh, you know, um, not in a way that I'm trying to pay God back, but just out of love for him. Uh, and because I know that his ways are best because he is my designer, right? He's the designer uh, of what life is supposed to be like, is that we would want to do things, live in a way that's pleasing to him, right? And uh, so, but to do that, I got to know what is a life that's pleasing to him. You know, I, I do not trust my own self to figure that out, and neither should you, okay? Um, because uh, w- there is a way that seems right to a man, but its way is the end of death, it says in Proverbs, right? We can't just go with what seems right. We need to measure it against the measuring stick, which is the Word of God, right? All right, so we need to grow in our knowledge of the Lord and our biblical view of the world around us, and so we need to be people of the book, right? People of the book. Now, these uh, the verse 4 goes on to talk about some of the results of, 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 of understanding that God has given us the power uh, to grow in godliness uh, to all believers, and that some of that is going to be, uh, in a sense, tapped into through our knowledge of God and so on, and the truth, right? And so we go to verse 4, um, the first part of which says, by which, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So let's think back again to verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us. So so as we get into this, we see that um, uh, we receive the promise of salvation and all of the promises and benefits that come through this salvation through Jesus Christ. So because of what Christ has done, right, we have inherited the, it's called these great and precious promises. Um, he doesn't delineate what the promises are, okay? And um, so some people have speculated here that, uh, you know, some of these promises, it's the promise of eternal life, uh, you, know, the promise, you know, the promise of that, you know, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're, you're, you're saved, you're forgiven, and so on. Um, and and all and you know the promise you know, but but I think it could just be all the promises that are true in Christ Jesus now it could just be the whole thing, um, but we really don't know. I guess that's my point. So I'm just going with a wide swath and say you know, um, he has given us this power for godly living, and um, that's going to come through. It says a growing knowledge of God and Jesus Christ and His ways. Right, and so in then verse four here it says, "By which," okay, or you could say it, it actually might be, um, actually this could be it. I was thinking about this uh, in the previous verse where it says, "His own glory and excellence." Right, it says through through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So maybe it's by His glory and ex- excellence by which He's granting us these precious promises. Okay, that could be another way to look at the connection. Okay, so so. However we get it, uh, here it's telling us that we receive, uh, when we receive the promise of salvation and all other promises and the benefits that come through the salvation. So, so the result, the result of us, of God granting us his divine power for growing in godliness, the result of that is that we are tapping into the promises of God and we are counting on the promises of God, if you will. And so, um, again, 
the promises are not mentioned here. It's possible, too, he's thinking about those promises in the Old Testament, right? About a new era of salvation and a blessing that God would bring into being through the Messiah, and that Christians now experience the fulfillment of all those promises of the ages, right? Um, but, but I don't think it ends there. You know, again, think of some of the promises that, um, you know, that the Lord has made provision for us uh, in this life here and now, right? The Spirit-filled life. He's granted us the promise of His Spirit, right? As Nick has been speaking us of the last couple of weeks. So um, I had mentioned earlier about being secure in the love of God, right? Um, Listen to this verse. Um, This is true for all believers. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the promise for every believer. Anybody who has put their faith in Jesus is justified before God. In other words, uh, it's like a legal term. You've been made right with God. When you believe in Jesus, uh, right, since uh, he took his, your sin upon himself and his righteousness has been put to your account now, right? So in a sense, legally, the way God sees you, judicially, um, him being the judge, uh, you've been declared righteous, okay? And so you have been justified, right? So it says, since we have been justified by faith, so it's not works, it's by faith, your faith in Jesus, not faith in faith, not faith in anything, faith in Jesus Christ. That is what justifies you before God. That's a promise. Hey, once you've crossed the line of faith, you put your faith in Jesus, you have been justified, okay, by your faith, and you are now, it says there, it says, we have peace with God. Okay, that's who you need to be at peace with first, okay? It's more important that you be at peace with God above all else, because if you're not at peace with God, then you're under His wrath, okay? And if you die under his wrath, there's no second chance, okay? The Bible does not teach there's a second chance, okay? Um, Hebrews tells us, right? It's appointed for men to die once, and then comes judgment, okay? So, so this is a wonderful promise uh, that if I have put my faith in Jesus, I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior, right, uh, that we have peace with God. So then you don't have to worry about, you know, some people obsess about this. They're like, now, did I really do it? Did I really, did I really get saved here? And I, I tell you what, I had a heck of a time of it when I, when I was a freshman in college. I was, it, this whole question was coming to my mind about faith and was I a Christian? Was I a saved or not? Because I had like the information, but I just wasn't sure that the information had traveled those 18 inches to my heart. And was this a real and I really made a commitment back in the fourth grade when I went to church camp. I was, I was just obsessing over that, okay? And my good friend, and seemed to, who would have been be my brother, it's my brother-in-law now, he just said, listen, I don't know what happened back then, but you can deal with it now if you're not sure. So what I did that night was I just said, Lord, in my dorm room, I said, Lord, I don't know whether I was saved back then or not, but I want to be saved right now. <laughs> I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want to have a relationship with you. I, I just turned my life over you. I don't even know what that means. Boy, did I not know what that meant, okay? <laughs> Nobody knows what that means, like ultimately what God's going to do in your life when you put yourself on the altar, okay? But it's always going to be good, okay?
Okay, there will be ups and downs, there will be hills and valleys, but God's purposes are for his glory, you can be sure, okay, regardless of what we go through. And so I'm just saying that to, to you all, that if you're sitting in here, or you're, maybe you're watching online, and you're saying, you know what, I don't know for sure if I die tonight, I'd go to heaven. I don't know that I really have a relationship with God. Don't let another day go by. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna twist your arm today. I'm not gonna guilt you out. I'm just saying, you know, if you are feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit that you're saying you need to be sure, then why not today do what I did? And I just said, Lord, don't know what happened back then or whatever those other circumstances were, but today I, I want I want you, right? And then you can just write that down. Write this date down, right? Because God is always true to His promises. You know that, always true to His promises, right? John one twelve. But as many as received Him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So <clears throat> all you have to do is believe in Jesus, put your faith in him, realize he is God, the, the Lord who's come to die for your sins. And when you do that, everything I've been saying today will actually, uh, is true for you, okay? Because it's, it, 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 you would now have received the Holy Spirit in you right, by faith in Christ, okay? So, so just... Just realize this, you know, you need to be at peace with God first. You get that right, you accept Christ as your Savior, all the rest will work itself out as you continue to follow Him. He'll show you what the next step is. He'll work things out in your life. Yeah, it's going to, and don't let anybody ever tell you following Jesus is easy. It's, it's hard, it's difficult. I mean, look at the apostles, okay? I mean, you know, they had a rough road to hoe, as they say, you know, I mean, to say the least. But 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 just saying that, you know, it, 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 but the Lord is with you. That's the thing. The Lord is with you. Do not forget that, okay? Um, and this kind of leads me into the next point here. Um, this, the next part of verse 4, um, he says, so that through them, so through those precious and great promises, through them you might become partakers of the divine nature. What is that? Well, first of all, just know this. It doesn't mean we become God, okay? It does not mean we become God. Um, to, to be partakers of the divine nature, uh, I think, is really getting at the idea that when you come to faith in Jesus, something incredible happens in that we are linked with Jesus. Um, you know, theologians call that communion or union with, union, I guess a union with Jesus would be the way to think about it is. When you read verses in Romans about, you know, dying and being raised to life with Christ, right? And you read verses like that in 2 Corinthians about, you know, how you're, you've died to your old self and now you're alive in Christ. Those, that imagery that Scripture gives us, right? That's because we're united to Jesus in some spiritual way. What, how is that? I don't know. I don't know, you know, but, but I just know God tells us that's what happens, Okay. And because we're united with Jesus, um, he is a, we're able to be participants or partakers in the divine nature, okay? And that relationship with, that we have with him, right, is real. Uh, I use the word communion, too. I think of that as my, my, my daily uh, uh, interaction with the Lord and continually in communion with him that we're, you know, I'm... What does Paul use? He uses this phrase in a lot of his letters, in Christ, right? In Christ. When you become a believer, you are placed into Christ. That's part of the being united with Jesus. 
And that is um, being a partaker of the divine nature. He's with you always because of that. Okay, he's with you always. Yeah, I know that God is everywhere at all times. I get that. But with believers, he's with them in a special way because of our union with Jesus. One of the things that hit me on my vacation was thinking back, um, was I started thinking on Psalm 23, uh, popular psalm, right? Um, I want to talk about just that, that idea, you know, what, what are we talking about? That we have all we need in Jesus to live a godly life, right? Well, think about Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That, that just speaks volumes about the provision that God makes for us, right? When you're a believer, you're one of the sheep in his pasture, right? He's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's, the, he's the best shepherd, right? He's going to make sure he leads you to those uh, those still waters, you know, where you're not going to be afraid to drink in and you're going to have all the stuff that you need. And then in verse 4 of Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no, fear no evil. Well, why not? Because he says, for you are with me. You are with me. Only a believer can say that because of our union with Christ. He says, you are with me. And because he is with me, I'll have all I need for that situation. It doesn't mean it won't be hard, but he is all I need. You get that? It's not what he can do for me. It's that he is what I need. Verse 5, Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This uh, imagery caught me on vacation. My cup overflows. I was listening to a message by someone, and uh, they they were sticking on that part of the verse, and it just really struck me. Um, You know, everything we do for the Lord should be coming from the overflow of our relationship with Him. Right? And so I, I saw, I found as you can do, right, you, you search in Google Images. I searched for an image like that, and they had this picture of these hands. They're supposed to be the Lord's hands. The water was just coming out of that and was just flowing into that cup, and it was just all coming, you know, the cup was overflowing. And so there was plenty to go around, not just for the cup, but for the others around. And I just was thinking about that image as it, as it relates to this verse and just like, okay, Lord, you know, as we talk about that Jesus is all, he's, he's supplying all we need, we need to be after him. Seek the, you know, th- think about all the verses that say seek. Seek the Lord. Seek him while he may be found, right? Um, seek first his kingdom as his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, he says in Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, and that's just a promise of God's provision, right? As we, as, as we just seek him. Right? And yes, we ha- you know, as believers, we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but we need to engage in that relationship. Right? And so there's this aspect of seeking where, and we may never say, God, I don't know what it means to seek you, but here I am. 
I'm in your word. I need to hear from you. You know, speak to my heart. You cry out to him about what's going on in your life. You know, <clears throat> I don't know what he's going to say and, and do with you through that. But I do know, he says, if you seek him, you'll find him. That's a promise. So we need to be seekers of God. Right? Seekers of God. So, <clears throat> that's, and that's what he's saying here. Right? We, we become partakers of the divine nature. That's the result of uh, us, us uh, be, having access to this divine power for life and godliness. And then <clears throat> the, the last part of this, it's kind of the negative. If, if the positive was, um, <clears throat> was the previous part, was becoming partakers of the di- divine nature, here's the negative side. Right? Here's, the, here's the flip side of, of the benefit of, of, of uh, us understanding and growing in our knowledge of God and growing in godliness and having access to this divine power. The result is, um, like it says in verse 4, the very end, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. <clears throat> now, I want to make a, good, uh, a point here about this. Um, it's not that everything in the world is bad. Okay, the problem is it's the people, including us. It's the evil desires. It's the sinful desires. That's the problem. Okay, I mean, think about the the, the things that get contorted and twisted, uh, like sex. Sex is a great thing. God gave it to us as a gift, but it's meant to be within the confines of marriage, right? Of the biblical marriage. So, so just think on that, right? What so what makes it go wrong? Evil desires, sinful desires, that's what twists it up, right? Uh, this is an example, but, you know, name any other thing that's, that, that God took something or people that took something that God meant for good and, and twisted it into something else. It's sinful desires. Well, because you have the Spirit of God as a Christian, okay, uh, because you have the Spirit of God and God promises that you have access to divine power for life and godliness, you can now say no to those sinful desires. That's the promise. And so, and that's what he's uh, meaning here, um, because when, when we realize what we have and when we appropriate the power God has given to us, grow in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus and, and, the, and God and the world and ourselves, right? And we can... Uh, battle those sinful desires that still remain within us. This is just simply how I'm going to say it. Our union with Christ and the indwelling spirit result in our being able to resist sin. We don't have that without Christ. Sin is our master without being united to Christ and knowing Jesus as Savior. But thanks be to God that when we put our faith in Jesus, all this is ours. That's basically saying, you know, think back to uh, those opening, the opening verse. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay? So we just need to lean into Jesus, and we need to call on his name. We need to understand our salvation and who Jesus is better and 
and and and grow in our knowledge of him and 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 seek the lord because he is the one who will provide us with all we need okay he'll provide it through all kinds of means might be somebody else might use a person or he might he might do a miracle i don't know how he's going to meet your need but you know what Christianity is based on faith, is it not? It's based on fact too, but it's based on faith, right? It takes faith to believe the promises we've been hitting on, that God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, right? It, that takes faith. It takes trust that he will, even when I can't see that it's actually anything is changing. And maybe nothing's changing because, but God's just decided, I'm going to provide you with the endurance and the power to bear up under it. That in itself is the divine power of God. But uh, if you're a believer today, you just got to know God's got you. He's supplying every, he, he, he ha, he's got it all for you. It's just, you know, are we going to be like, uh, who was it? Was it little orphan Annie that didn't realize all that, you know, when she came under that guy's roof, all that she would have access to? I mean, it's just, that's kind of like us sometimes, you know. We forget. God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He will, as it says, he, he's given, he's granted us divine power. For all things pertaining to your life. You know, you think about that this week as you go through your week. You think about your circumstances and you meditate on those verses and you say, Lord, you ask him, Lord, help me. I'm seeking you. And again, if you know, if you're like, if that word seek is weird to you, you say, God, I don't even know what seeking means, but here I am. Here I am, Lord. That's seeking the Lord. Okay. <laughs> here I am, God. Help me. Here I am. I need you. Just tell him. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, that your grace is sufficient for everything that we need. And uh, Lord, we are just grateful um, for these great and many precious promises that you've granted to us um, because of your excellence and your greatness and your glory. Lord, help us to be seekers of you Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.